Taxes on the wealthy? Are you, are you freaking kidding me? Taxes on the wealthy? You ask me, we should be celebrating the wealthy. My name is Matthew Spazzini and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzini program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize to you guys. Last week, I didn't actually post any episodes and uh, I forgot to, I, I always intended to, well, th- there was a whole host of stuff that went on last week and I intended to to record myself telling you guys what was going on and, and kind of keeping you guys in the loop and whatnot and Well, let's just say this, life got so crazy so fast, I totally forgot about it, and every time I thought about it, something else came up, and I got busy doing other, more life stuff, just (laughs) more adulting stuff, right? So, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get to it, and I, I do apologize to you guys, if you guys were coming here looking for an episode, I should've let you guys know some way that I wasn't going to be doing an episode that week, which by the way, wasn't the original plan. I actually was originally going to do an episode, but so the original plan for, for last week was I was going to do a quick episode before me and my wife went on vacation to go see my parents. Um, my parents recently moved and we were going to go uh, drive up to where they are and, you know, just hang out with them, visit them. They, they bought a lot of land. So that was really cool. And I, I really wanted to go see that land and everything. So that was the plan. However, comma, around the exact same time that we were planning to do that, right before we did, about a week before, or maybe it was two weeks before, I can't remember, my wife and I talked to our realtor. So I've been mentioning to you guys that my wife and I, we've been been talking about moving for a while. I think a real estate crash is coming. And on top of that, we're just not happy where we are. We want to rent again. You know, we're just, we don't want to own a home again. It was, it was okay. There were, there were pros and cons to it, right? But the, but owning a home carries a lot of risk that a lot of people do not understand, okay? I understand it because I lived through an eviction, okay? I understand how bad it can really go. I, I know what happened. We were My wife, if you guys know the story, I told it many times. My wife and I, we were newlyweds. I don't even think we've been married for a year yet. And we were, maybe we had been married for maybe a year, but we were living with some friends because we, we couldn't afford to get out on our own. We were pretty much broke. We had... Uh, no money to speak of. And so we were, we were both working part-time gigs and we were, you know, I was going to college. She had already graduated and she was trying to, you know, start her career and all that kind of stuff. Well, anyways, we were living with friends and unfortunately over the time that we were living there, the the family we were living with ended up getting evicted from their home and and us with them. So, you know, the husband, he, he lost his job a while back before we started living with him and he ended up getting another job back. It just didn't pay as much as the current job that he had or, or the, the job they had in the past. And over time, it just kind of, everything was going all right for a while, but then if things just eventually hit the fan, right? And uh, everything just, just pretty much fell apart. And we all ended up getting evicted. My stuff was out on the front lawn. You know, my wife and I, you know, being newlyweds, our, our furniture was literally out on the front lawn. 
And it was absolutely a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. It's it's very painful to think about, but in reality, it opened my my eyes up to a lot of different things. If that had not happened to me and my wife, we would have very different opinions, I think, today. I mean, we would be conservative of our finances, but we would still you know, think that the the mainstream narrative around finances, you know, would be true. You know, invest your money, put it all in a 401k, don't look at it or only look at it when you're making money type of thing, which is what most people do. Most people only look at the 401ks when they're making money and when they're not making money, they kind of dig their head in the sand. They pretend it's not happening, you know, and that's for, and that's 401k, that's investing, right? Passive investing, not really uh, monitoring it. You think you have an expert doing it for you. You don't, you just assume that they know what they're doing. You don't assume that they suck or anything. You know, that'd be one thing, uh, personal finances, you know, you know, go, you know, put, you know, drown yourself in debt, you know, and leverage everything to the hilt, basically have credit cards, spend it all, spend, spend, you know, go into debt for stupid frivolous items like pieces of furniture or groceries or whatever, you know, gas, Build your credit score, also known as your debt score, I'd like to call it. You know, all all these different types of stuff. We may have different views on a lot of that stuff had it not happened. I I may not be, I I may not have been as open about this idea of of coming in controlling, of, of controlling the source of my income and obtaining that and living that liberty lifestyle that I think all libertarians, all liberty-oriented people, okay, uh, libertarians, conservative, if you are a liberty-oriented person and liberty is the highest up there on your list, whether that is political freedoms, whether that's social freedoms, whether that's financial freedom, whatever that is, okay, if freedom and liberty is up there, you know, generally speaking, you see this with libertarians and conservatives, if that's the case, if that's you, you should be living the liberty lifestyle. What is a liberty lifestyle? That is where you control the source of your freedom and you try to be as independent as possible and you surround yourself with other people who are just as liberty-minded as you are, who are just as passionate about libertarian ideas or liberty and the ideas that surround liberty as much as you are. That's the liberty mindset. So for me, the more independence I can take for myself the better off I'm going to be. If I could find a way to produce my own energy in a way that financially makes sense, I can make the return on investment work, all that kind of stuff, that would be doing it. If I can you know, create a social media platform so I don't have to rely on other social media platforms, like I don't have to be out there on other, I got my own platform. I control my own kingdom, my own platform type of thing, that would be a way to do it. You know, if I could have my own business so that I produce my own income so that I don't have to rely on an employer to produce income for me or, or to, to pay me a wage. Again, that is independence. That's what the Liberty Lifestyle is all about. And I don't know if I would be open to it nearly as much if I hadn't been evicted early on, if me and my wife hadn't been evicted early on in our marriage. I just, if I hadn't experienced it, I don't know. Probably not. That eviction shaped everything. It's kind of like my rebirth story, right? I was a Christian conservative. I'm still conservative on a massive amount of things. Probably, you know, I, I'm still very, I'm still very much a Christian, you know, born again Christian. I, or, well, okay. I would, I, I'm non-denominational, but you would call me, you would, I've been heard that 
what closely aligns with what I believe is non-denom is a born again Christian. Okay, that's that's what I've been told. I, I don't really know for sure, but I, I'm non-denominational. I don't I do not claim to be part of any specific denomination. Okay, but with that said, I'm a Christian. I'm conservative on many many different points, but I, I, I classify myself as a libertarian. There are some areas where I'm not a hundred percent conservative on. Okay, for example, drugs. I think they should be legalized, every single one of them, okay? I don't believe that you legislate morality. You know, politics is downstream from culture. If you want to change the laws, you change the culture. And if the culture changes, you may not even need the laws. Typically, the laws come due to the culture and the beliefs that are inside the culture, right? The traditions and all that kind of stuff that that, that go into what makes a culture, they you know, they determine the laws that are created. It doesn't work the other way around. You don't create laws when you have a society unwilling to abide by those laws. That's not how it works. So I believe personally that a law that says you can't drink alcohol or a law that says that you can't engage in, you know, whatever, smoking pot or, you know, smoking woohoo or whatnot, that uh, (laughs) I don't think that's going to be very effective. You don't legislate morality. So I believe it should be legal. Now, do I think that people should do those things? No. I mean, I don't really have an issue with drinking, although I I personally don't drink much. I'll have a drink every now and then if I'm around friends and they're drinking, but I don't drink typically in my own personal life. I don't really like drinking. I'll be completely honest. You know, there are some drinks that I've had in my life that, that I'm okay with, you know, but I don't. I don't normally, I wouldn't choose to do it on my own in most cases. And if I'm around friends, it's just so that they don't feel self-conscious about it because it's so that they don't feel like I'm judging them. Okay. Now I would say that if my friends feel that way, uh, they have a lot of insecurities and that's on them. But you know, that's usually how I handle it. I don't mind having a drink or two if it makes friends uncomfortable, but in reality, there's sometimes that I just don't care if they're going to feel uncomfortable, they're going to feel uncomfortable. But anyways, I don't have an issue with people drinking. I have an issue with people drinking too much. Getting drunk is a sin. I believe that it is, right? So that would be wrong. Okay, doing other bad things when you're drunk is also a sin. That would be wrong. So I don't believe that drinking of and in itself is bad. Doing drugs, you know, again, I I don't think that people should do them. I think you create an over-reliance on the drugs. I know a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't addi- you can't get addicted to this stuff. You, you may not be able to get addicted to the drug itself, but you, would, you could get addicted to the way it makes you feel, right? You enjoy the feeling. You can get addicted to that, you know, that way. So I don't agree with doing drugs. I, I don't think that people should, but I think they should have the freedom to do so if they, as long as they're not hurting anybody else, right? And then, you know, let's say uh, prostitution, okay? That's another big one. Do I agree with it? Absolutely not. You are enslaving yourself for money. You're selling your body for money, right? That's horrible. And if I knew anybody that was personally doing it, I would highly encourage and I would really try to pull them out of that life, okay? I I, I, I certainly would not condone it and they would know that I do not condone it. But by that very same token, okay, I don't think it should be illegal. Your body, if, if our bodies truly are our property, and I firmly believe that they are, and if you're listening to me, I think that you would too, then you have the right to do with your, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, you have the, a right to do with your body you, as you see fit. If you want to completely destroy it, abuse it, treat it like a freaking playground, you know, treat it like a, a, a rental property with a bad tenant, <laughs> you know, that's what you want to do. 
it's it, hey, it's your life. Just know that when you start facing the consequences for your decision, I also do not believe in programs that come and help you. Okay, if, if that, I don't believe in programs that 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 basically save you by redistributing wealth from other people, so that you don't have to face the full consequences of your decision. If you end up in a bad way, you got to go to your neighbor and you got to ask them for help. You got to rely on their charity. You know, taxation, wealth redistribution, socialistic programs like, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security. These are not charity. Okay. But anyways, we're, we're getting it on a rabbit hole as we, as we constantly do on this show. It's uh, a, <laughs> I do it all the time. I don't intend to, I, I promise you, I don't intend to, but I do it all the time anyways. So that that's me in a nutshell. Okay. Many of you already know that. I don't even know how I got down on that path, but so my wife and I, our, our original plan was to go up and see my family. But then what we decided to do was we decided to put our house on the market. And right, you know, basically a week before or right before we were going to do that, our house was literally going to be on the market as my wife and I were, were going to be out of town. We were going to put it on the market literally that week. But the amount of, but we didn't really, we thought, I thought personally, when I talked to my wife and we had decided to do this, I thought that we, our house was very much ready. And, and for the most part it was, but there was a ton of stuff that still needed to be done. My wife thought there was more than I thought, but let's be honest, there was a lot of, there there was a fair amount of stuff that had to be done. And to be fair, it takes a heck of a lot longer to do anything with a child than it does if you don't have a kid. So because, you know, one of us has to watch my daughter or our daughter while we are cleaning the house and getting it all showroom ready and all that kind of stuff. And we were initially intending to stay in the home while all the showings were happening, but literally, so we were going to put it on the market Thursday night. Okay. And it was in the MLS and it wasn't even officially in, on the market. It wasn't on Zillow. It wasn't on all the big apps or anything. It, it was, it was, it had a coming soon on it. It wasn't really even officially listed yet. We had something like five or six requests to come and see it already. So I turned to my wife. I'm like, we can't live here while this is happening. If, if, I mean, six requests and this thing isn't even on the market. We only just like started putting feelers out there, you know, coming soon type of stuff, right? There's no way that we can live through this if this continues. And sure enough, the trend did continue. And uh, but luckily, my wife and I decided to get out of Dodge and to go stay with her family, who also live relatively close to us. So that's what we did. So <laughs> literally Friday morning, right before all the stuff uh, you know started happening and all, all the, the, the chaos that came from all the showings occurred, we... We're running around Thursday night. We're running around Friday morning, Friday afternoon, trying to get this house cleaned up. And my wife, of course, she had a meeting, you know, later on that afternoon. So her and my daughter ran over to my my in-laws house while I stayed back and did the, the last minute cleaning, finishing touches on the home and whatnot. And I'm good. I'm glad I did that. But man, I left and literally not 17 minutes later did people start showing up it was it was really close and then fi- so finally when i once i left it was non-stop dings requests for people to come see you know literally 
people were coming back to back. You know, people were there even when other families were there as well. It was it was insane. On the first day of the showing, okay, the first day, we had over 20 people, hadn't even been on the market for 24 hours, 20 people came to see this house. Insane. And then on top of that all, we got like seven offers and six of them were over asking. How, or, or no, maybe it was six offers and five of them were over asking. Something something crazy like that. It was, either way, I, I don't know, maybe it was, it was seven. I'm sorry, it was seven. Still, absolutely insanity. Absolute insanity. It was, it was crazy. So we accepted the highest offer, which was way more than I personally felt that this house was worth. I didn't feel that it was worth that, but hey, someone offered it. So we're like, great, let's take it, uh, you know, be happy with it. And uh, so, yeah, so we are now under contract and now my wife and I are looking to to move and stuff. And so, and again, you know, a lot, and we, we, we've been going when we're not, when we weren't busy doing all the housing stuff, we started, we were looking at other rental properties to go and live. We, we think we finally found some places. So we're very, very happy with that. But yeah, the market is absolutely insane right now, particularly for single family homes in Texas, uh, particularly North Texas. I don't know if it's like that everywhere else in the country, but it's like that here. So that's why I wasn't able to do stuff. Uh, it was, it was crazy within, <laughs> I just, it, it baffles me within one day of being on the market, having you know, offers literally that evening, almost all of them, you know, there are four initial offers that came in, two that came in the next day and the four of the, of all of those. Okay. No, actually that, that would have been, I'm sorry. That is six. <laughs> Gosh. Anyways, whatever. Of all of the offers, one was under asking and all the others were well above. And it, it was again, insanity, insanity. So it's great. You know, we're, we're going to get, a, we're going to be get a massive cash injection into our pockets, assuming that everything uh, g- continues to go the way that it, the way that it has been, and every as long as everything goes well, we're going to get a lot of cash in our pockets. It's going to be great. We're going to be very happy, and uh, we're going to you know hopefully move and uh, be in a much nicer home, and also not have the risk of a mortgage. So freaking cool! It really really cool. You know, it was it was just amazing. You know, we've been praying about all this kind of stuff. Very, very nervous to make this decision. You know, it's one thing to see a crisis potentially coming, like an economic calamity type of thing. It's a whole other thing to actually start acting on that, to have the emotional, you know, I think that that makes a very good point. Having financial intelligence is not the same thing as having emotional intelligence in order to take action so that you can benefit off that financial intelligence, right? If you have the ability to see a calamity coming, right? I didn't know COVID was coming, but once COVID happened and the lockdowns occurred, I knew what it would do to the economy. In fact, I still believe that there's going to be another crash that is coming and I'm thinking it's going to come this year. But ladies and gentlemen, knowing that and taking action against it are two completely different things, particularly when you're talking about something as huge as selling your house. Now, there were a lot of other things. There's a lot of other reasons as to why we are decided to sell. We're just not happy with the area that we're in. We're farther away from family than what we would prefer to be. And there's just a whole host of stuff, right? You know, my wife, uh, you know, she lost her job due to the, the, the lockdowns and the damage it caused. And 
Luckily, she got a job a month later, which was great. But now her company is starting to tell her that uh, they're going to have them come back in, you know, and start working in the office a lot more frequently, at least three times a week now. So we need to be closer to where to where her work is. You know, we've been able to, you know, kind of, you know, (laughs) we've been able to make things work. Uh, before that, but you know, when, when she wasn't required to come into the office or maybe only once or twice, but now, you know, and she hasn't really been going to the office at all for quite some time. So for almost an entire, uh, I would say over a year now. So it's, it's going to be rough, but in the end it, it will find a way to make it work. But with that said, we needed to, to, we needed to find a new place to live that uh, you just put, putting it lightly. We needed to find a new place to live. So anyways, that is Everything that's been going on last week, that's why I wasn't able to do a podcast episode and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that's why. And it was it was pretty crazy, but I, I'm very happy that we're finding that, that everything's working well. A lot of prayers have been answered. It's been great. God has been very good. And just so far, allowing things to work very smoothly, a lot smoother than I ever thought things would be working. So I'm very, very happy with that. So with that stated, I want before we close out the episode for today. I wanted to talk about uh, something that I, I I'm very very passionate about, and I also wanted to give you. But before we do that, I also wanted to do a uh, tell you guys a bit about an, an announcement. I'm going to be so for a while at the start of all this. I was going to have people pay to be part of my the pot the the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group, you know, for the podcast, right? And I to be honest. I just, you know, I don't know if I really want people to have to pay for that. So what I decided to do is I'm actually going to make that group for free. Okay, if you guys love the podcast, you guys want to come and be around people of like-minded individuals, that's great. I'm going to open up the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group. I might rename it, but I'm going to I'm going to open up the Matthew Spazzitti Elite group and I'm going to make it free so that anybody can join if they like the show, they can come, they can come, they can join all the episodes will be posted there along with any other kind of content. You guys will have the ability to post your own articles. If you guys are seeing something you want to allow this community of people to see, then, you know, it's great. Go ahead and do it. There will of course be rules. We do not live in a that group will not be a democracy or anything close to that, it will be a monarchical kind of system, and I'm the king, so there you go, I'm the emperor, I'm, I'm the king, I have absolute power, this, there's no constitution here, so uh, yeah, it's not going to be a freedom of speech type of thing, there will be some rules, I'm not going to allow people to attack each other, I'm not going to allow people to troll, I'm not going to, you know, you can't post, you know, graphic images, whether that's violence or sexual or anything of that sort, so there's, there's going to be some rules, right, I mean, there's going to be some rules, but with that said, it's going to be really, really great. Now I have now the group is on MeWe, so it's going to be up on MeWe here soon. I, I think I created it, but I think it's it's hidden right now and whatnot. So you know you'll have to do a little bit of a question air before I before I approve you. It is a locked group. It's not just a free group that anybody can join. It will be a locked group, but it will be free. So there you go. There, there's the announcement. Also on that point, if you guys are interested on learning about you know, economics, Austrian economics, libertarianism, then go check out the Liberty Classroom with Tom Woods. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an absolutely amazing platform for education. Yes, this is one of my affiliate programs. You can't complain very much. I haven't done one in a while. So, you know, don't whine and complain about it. But, you know, 
it's a, it's a great platform. It really is. It's it's an absolutely amazing wealth of knowledge. Absolutely wealth of knowledge. It's a great great class. You know, it's a it's a great library of information. It's massive. It's awesome. I've been going through it myself. Absolutely love it. And I, I would I would highly encourage you guys to do the same thing. So I'm gonna post the link in the description below, guys. If you love Tom Woods, you know the kind of quality of the stuff he pumps out. It's absolutely amazing. If you want to learn more about libertarianism, if you want to learn about more about like American history, Western civilization, economics, civics, government, all that stuff, then go check out the libertyclassroom.com. I'll post the link in the description below, as well as all the other affiliate links. If you if you see anything down there you think you're interested in, whether you want to do forex trading, whether you want to keep your skills active at Skillshare trading, if you want a good charting platform at TradingView, if you want to earn some, if you want to buy some silver with Money Metals Exchange, the list goes on. There's a lot of really great stuff in there. If you want to help financially support the show. That's a great way to do it. You can just straight up donate if you want, but if you want to try out the stuff out of the affiliate program and you, you want to like support the show in that way, that'd be a great way to do it. So go check out that stuff. It's in the, the links are in every single podcast episode I do. They're all posted there. So if you want to go check that out, then go check it out. And uh, yeah, if you want to support the show financially, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. It's, it's very, very much means a lot to me. All right. So the the topic at hand that I wanted to talk about today was I wanted to discuss this topic about, so so they're talking about raising taxes on corporations. Janet Yellen's out there talking about, I mean, well, first of all, the Biden administration is talking about raising taxes in the United States. And then if that wasn't bad enough, Janet Yellen is out there talking about raising taxes uh, you know, across the entire world. She wants to unite with other countries so that they can all engage in raising taxes on international corporations, okay? So basically, Janet Yellen doesn't want you to be able to run anywhere with your money. And this all just, gosh, it just, it makes me mad. It's a disrespect of wealth, production, savings. It's a huge slap in the face is what it is. You know, we should be celebrating wealth in this nation. We should be celebrating success in this nation. We should be celebrating the wealth gap in this nation. Why? But why should we? Okay. If you guys don't know about economics, just lend me your ears for a little bit. Every single thing that you use today was a luxury at one point in time. Okay. In all of human history, it was a luxury at one point in time. And guess who had that luxury before all the masses did? The rich and the wealthy. You see, the rich and the wealthy end up using all the the nice technology, whether that's smartphones, computers, TVs, whatever it is, cars for that matter. It all existed for the rich and the wealthy before it existed for everybody else. If the wealth gap wasn't there and you didn't have the rich and the wealthy buying all these luxurious items, if for no other reason than vanity, and I don't believe that's the only reason, you wouldn't, you, we would not have cars, we would not have phones, we, cell phones, uh, you know, smartphones, we wouldn't have any of this, anything, we wouldn't have it, we wouldn't have any of this kind of stuff, that's the truth. You see, in order for a society to continue to advance, wealth creation needs to be made as easily as possible. Wealth, money, 
assets. It all needs to be respected, honored, celebrated in society, not condemned. The wealth gap is something that we should be celebrating. Now, the way the wealth gap is created, I don't agree with, with printing money, enrich, enriching the rich and the wealthy at the expense of everybody else. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm saying the wealth gap. That does cater to the wealth gap. I'm not saying it doesn't, okay? That absolutely does cater the wealth gap, and, uh, the wealth gap, and I disagree with, with that method, okay? However, comma, I believe that wealth production in an ethical and moral way Whereas we are, whereas individuals become wealthy by effectively improving the lives of others, by answering their question, by fixing their problems. Like I've always said before, every ethical dollar made is a function of providing people what they want, of helping them to fix the problems in their lives. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the truth. That is the truth. So if, if people want to become wealthy, that's what you do. You fix someone's problems. You help them solve their problems. You help them get what they want and you become wealthy as well. Why don't we celebrate that? Now, I get it. There's lots of big corporations out there that are enriching themselves, like I said, because of inflation, uh, which is the increase in the monetary supply. Inflation is not an increase in prices. Increasing prices is merely the symptom of inflation, okay? But I, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly, like I said already. I disagree with corporations, you know, basically increasing regulations and taxation for that matter, on corporate pot, on other companies on themselves even for the sole purpose of reducing competition and ladies and gentlemen that's really what's going on here that is absolutely what's going on the reason that jeff bezos wants to raise corporate taxes the reason that jeff bezos and amazon wants to increase the minimum wage the reason that big corporations are in favor of tax increases increasing increases in regulations is because it, it adds, an, it takes away another rung to the ladder of success. It decreases competition. It adds another barrier of entry in those industries. It reduces their competition. And sure, the costs of those regulations and those taxes absolutely hurt those companies. It would be more expensive for them to compete with competition than it would be for them to pay the for them to pay the government to increase their market share or to keep their market share high and basically reduce comp by reducing competition. That, that, that's the reality of it. That's why they're really in favor of this. But I hate this whole notion. They always, they always use the hatred and the resentment that everybody has for the rich and the wealthy. They always use that sentiment in order to justify the vast majority of these regulations, these taxes, all this kind of stuff. And it makes me, it, it really, it, it ticks me off really does. It makes me very, very angry. It's not right. We should be celebrating it because society, human history in general, has progressed because of the rich and the wealthy. Because the rich and the wealthy had the money to purchase these ideas. Now, not all entrepreneurs were rich and wealthy, okay? But historically, they, they used to be. But they weren't always. How many times do we hear rags to riches stories these days? 
So, and that is not a a specifically American thing. The whole rags to riches story is something that has been, you know, it's been around for quite some time in all civilizations since the dawn of time, really. I mean, or throughout all of human history. It's not like it's a uniquely American thing, but America has allowed it to happen a lot. Western society in general has allowed it to happen a lot, more so than all of the human history. The more freedoms you give to people, the more they're, they're going to be incentivized to pursue their own self-interest. That self-interest can turn into lifting all other boats around them by improving other people's lives in order to basically make money, whether that's through products, whether that's through services. They see a need, they fill a need, and they make money doing it. It's, it's, it's as Adam Smith said, it's the invisible hand, right? It's not from the benevolence of the butcher or the baker that they make these goods for people to buy. No, no, no. It's not because of some form of altruism. It's because they want to make become wealthy. They want to provide for themselves, their families. They want to eat as well. So they specialize. They get very good at their craft. They create products and services, and they sell those products, products and services in order to make money so that they can get ahead. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what creates economic growth. Production, savings, not consumption, right? And, and that's not really uh, the, the purpose of this episode, but look, if it wasn't for the rich and the wealth, if it wasn't for individuals engaging in production, which they could only have done if they could draw from savings in order to do, right? So the, but if it wasn't for those individuals, they wouldn't have created products. But their product, the reason they wanted to was because they desired increase. And there's nothing wrong with that. Being a Christian, I know the idea of making money is, is seen as a, a dirty subject. Even obtaining power is a dirty subject. And I think there is there there certainly is a, an amount of that. If you are overly obsessed with it to the point where you're willing to throw you know sell your own mother into slavery for it, or throw someone under the bus for it, whatever. If you lust after it in that way, and you covet it heavily, that is a sin. But it's not a sin to have ambition. It's not a sin to have a desire to, for increase. We all do. Whether that's an increase in your in better relationships, whether that's an increase in finances, or maybe the influence you have over over others, you know, maybe power. It depends on why, but or maybe it's in, it's your desire to increase it with your relationship with God. It's not wrong to desire increase, but if you desire it too much, you can only serve one master, right? But ladies and gentlemen, this is how, it's, it's absurd that we demonize this and I hate it. Gosh, I hate it so much. I went to a church not that long ago and I remember them doing this explainer animated video and it was talking about all these kind of things, but it had a very left wing kind of messaging to it. There, there was left wing undertones to it, right? And I, I don't go to this church anymore, but it, they said something that really stuck out to me. And I don't even remember the verse exactly, but they were talking about, the video talked about condemning the rich and the wealthy. And they took the the Bible verse completely out of context. You actually go and you read the the Bible verse, and again, I forget which one it was. This was was a, a long time ago, mind you. 
it wasn't about the, condemning the rich and the wealthy. It was condemning the cruel rich and the wealthy. They were using their power, their status, their influence to be cruel to other people. These people were morally corrupt people, morally bankrupted individuals. They were terrible people. And it wasn't because of the finances and the wealth and power. No, they were probably terrible people to begin with. Sometimes terrible people acquire massive amounts of money and massive amounts of power. And a lot of people, uh, you know, attribute their terribleness to the wealth and the power. But the truth is, is that those things are all benign, really. They're, they're, they're not evil of in itself. Money is not inherently evil. Power is not inherently evil. If it corrupts them, that's because they were morally bankrupt in the first place. They were not sound in their beliefs of morality, ethics. They weren't that way to begin with. You see, the money and the power only draws out our true nature. That's the, that, that is the truth. It draws out our true nature. But it doesn't change us. If you were terrible with the money and, and the wealth... If we looked back in your life, we probably would find that you were a terrible person before all that, unless you were just really good at masking it, <laughs> right? But anyways, I digress. Look, I absolutely hate this, this idea that we should punish the rich and the wealthy for their success. We should punish people for, I'm not saying we should worship them, okay? I'm not like Ayn Rand. I, I'm a Christian objectivist, okay? I do take some of the ideas of objectivism that comes from Iran and I integrate it into my Christian belief, my worldview. So like, for example, objectivism is the idea that we should all pursue our own self-interest. Now that doesn't mean we should be immoral, okay? That's not condoning lying, theft, and murder. These are not within our self-interest. Long-term, they will destroy our lives. Anything that destroys your life is not within your self-interest, whether you see it now or not. But we should all be in pursuit of our own self-interest. This is what objectivism is. And I absolutely believe a lot of that stuff. But Ayn Rand was a bit of a, she kind of worshipped humanity. She wasn't a Christian. She despised religion. And I disagree with that. So what I do is I look at that. I take the things that I agree with her. I, and I, I disregard the things that I don't. And I apply it to my own Christian faith. I believe we should all do what we should all pursue our own self-interest, but as a Christian, what is our own self-interest? It's to pursue our relationship with God. It's to pursue things that are going to ultimately lead us to a better, happier life. So again, you know, on the, along the same lines, it doesn't condone horrible, evil, evil things. Again, I make a distinction between selfishness and self-interest, okay? Being selfish is engaging in an action that benefits you at the expense of others. Whereas self-interest is an action that benefits you as well as other people. And and this isn't be out of a form of altruism, okay? Again, we're not, I don't like altruism. I don't like this collectivist ideologies. But being self-interested, when, when you are being self-interested and you're, help, and you're pursuing something that benefits other people, these are typically people that are involved in your life. Friends, family, loved ones, you know. That's those, those sort of individuals. This is ultimately what I believe. We should all pursue our own self-interest. And as a Christian, my self-interest is increasing my relationship of, with God and pursuing God and trying to live the life that God commands me to live. Right? That is Christian objectivism. And, and to be fair, it's not an idea that I came up with. 
okay? It actually is another idea. It, it went by the name Christian hedonism. But hedonism is the pursuit of whatever is pleasurable, whatever makes you feel good. And we all know that's just because things make you feel good does not mean they're in your self-interest, okay? It does not mean that it's for your own good. And in fact, most of the time it, it, it doesn't. So I feel, I think the individual that, that came up with that term, they were trying to change the connotation behind the word hedonism. They were trying to make it more positive. But in the end, I feel that that's... Um, I don't know. I, I don't like, I think that's too much of a negative term. I think self-Christian objectivism is better. So I recoined it as Christian objectivism and whatnot. But again, we need to celebrate, not worship, but celebrate people's success. Because if you are successful and you do so without taking advantage of other people, and it's not at the expense of other people, then ladies and gentlemen, you will benefit other people in one form or fashion or another. You just naturally will, all right? Even if you're a recluse and you don't teach anybody else, you don't share your wealth, your knowledge, anything of a sort, hey, at least you're not a burden on society. That benefits society. To some extent, it does. You'd be foolish to argue against that. It benefits society by them being self-reliant and not depending on it. Not to mention, they still have to live, right? So they still have to provide for themselves. That means that they're buying goods and services that other people will benefit off of as well. They can't literally lock themselves up away in a cabin. You know, they can't do that forever. I mean, they still have to, again, even if they have solar panels and they don't have to be hooked up to a power grid, they still have to have batteries. They still require help, right? They can't produce everything. The economic law of the division of labor is absolute. We all have to specialize. So we're all going to be dependent on others in some form or fashion. Now, we can limit this dependency, and that's part of the liberty lifestyle. But we all have needs that we can't fill on our own, which is also why we have to surround ourselves with like-minded individuals. But anyways, getting back to the topic at hand, I'm not saying we should worship money, success, power. No, 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 no. But we should celebrate it. We should appreciate it. We should respect it. Because ladies and gentlemen, if we didn't, all of the fancy things, I'm looking at my desk right now, okay? I have two monitors. I have a, a monitor arm, a, a mount that mounts both of them. Now, I will say it looks weird because the monitors I have are both different. So the mounting brackets are at different areas. So one monitor is higher than the other. So it looks a little weird, but I don't want to go buy another monitor. It works. It, it looks weird, but it works. So maybe over time I'll buy another monitor and match them all together. And maybe, maybe I'll go that route. But the monitors I'm using on my table, the freaking monitor arm, the, the, the mounts on the table, the table itself, you know, the mouse, the keyboard, this microphone I'm using the software that I'm using, all of this at one point in time was not available to people like me. Just average day Joe Schmoes, right? I'm not super rich. I'm not super wealthy. I got a lot of head knowledge. I got a lot of a, you know, financial intelligence and I'm working every single day to make that a reality for myself, to implement those, to implement that intelligence, right? But I'm not super rich and wealthy yet. But with that said, all of the stuff was at one point in time only available to the rich and the wealthy, right? I wouldn't have had the ability to have this mouse or this keyboard 
or this computer for that matter, or this microphone. Had it not been for the rich and the wealthy getting these items and using it for themselves, even if it was for vanity, I don't care. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have this stuff. I wouldn't have two cars sitting in my garage. I'd have, you know, this house for that matter. I wouldn't have this house and all the luxurious items that are in it. It's not even a a high-end home. It's a single family, you know, first-time homeowner type of house. Still, there's a lot of luxurious items in here that wouldn't be in here otherwise. You know, in the car world, this is really evident, you know, and when you want to see really high technology, you look at high-end models, like really, really high-end car models, like a Aston Martin, Ferrari, you know, you could even look at Mercedes, they're, they're kind of entry-level cars into the really, really high-end stuff, but Mercedes, if you want to see really nice technology that's going to be in Hyundais and Toyotas and Chevys and Fords, everyday people vehicles, You look at the high-end models first. Heated seats, where did that exist? It was in high-end models. It was in the really luxurious models before it even got down to the entry-level luxury like Mercedes. It was in your Rolls Royces, your your Bentleys first. You know, I mean, and even technology that you didn't really see, right? Disc brakes, okay? For those of you who don't know, before, drum brakes were kind of the standard until disc brakes were used in racing. Well, who races? You think the poor race? No, the rich and the wealthy race. The racing of the rich and the wealthy, which is a, a pastime of, the, of some rich and wealthy people, you know, they discovered these technologies, used it in their race cars, and it started being implemented in other cars. Now it's in almost every car. Now, drum brakes are still cheaper, but they suck and they're terrible to have to work on. Disc brakes, so much better. I, I don't know what other examples I could give you. Uh, 3D printing. Okay, 3D printing right there. Right, 3D printing is a CNC machines. These are all, this is all technology that at one point in time was only available to corporations, rich and wealthy individuals. But now, after years of them buying it, using it for prototyping, doing all kinds of stuff with it, maybe it was, they just wanted it to brag about it for vanity purposes. It doesn't matter. After years of them buying it, eventually... In recent history, mind you, it started becoming available to everybody else. I can go off and buy a couple hundred dollars, maybe even a couple thousand dollar 3D printer. I could go buy a CNC machine if I wanted to. What about robo mowers, right? Robo mowers are super cool, but you know, they're not cheap. I think one of the cheapest ones that I found is like a thousand dollars on Amazon. You might be able to get it for cheaper, but th- that was a, a, a decently rated one. Robo mowers still have a long way to go, mind you. But again, who probably invested in robo mowers first? Well, corporations did. Corporations had access to the robo mowers before anybody else did. Rich and wealthy people did. And now it's finally coming down the, the pipeline for everyone else to start having. And it's going to increase our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, this is always how economic growth happens. You have individuals, not necessarily wealthy individuals, just because the product or service is created is not always because of the wealthy individuals, but that wealth, those luxurious technologies and products were adopted by the wealthy individuals first. And that demand made more people, made more companies come into the market wanting to produce you know, that product, that, that luxury item, that luxury service, they wanted to produce that stuff for other people at lower price points. They saw an opportunity. 
and more and more companies did this and now it's available to everyone. How freaking cool is that? And now it's not democratization. A lot of people say, I want to democratize this. Basically, they're saying when when, when someone says they want to democratize something, they, they say they want to make it available for everyone, okay? I hate that term. I hate it with a passion, right? I hate democracy. I don't like republics. I think they, they almost always end in misery and destruction. They almost always end in some form of horrible dictatorship, socialism, communism, fascism, whatever. Horrible stuff. They, they don't normally end well, okay? And the, 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 the closer they are to being true democracy, the worse it tends to end. Now, granted, I will say before I continue, all systems eventually end. All systems don't last forever. They all, every system ends in misery one way or the other because of man's sinful nature. You know, even monarchy, it would eventually end in misery too, okay? But democracies have ended in fantastic misery Far more than all the other systems, you know, monarchy, far more than a lot of other stuff that, that human history, that humanity has seen, okay? It's ended worse than a lot of other stuff out there. So just keep that in mind, all right, that democracies typically end in worse than everything else. That stated, and when I say democracies, okay, I'm including, what, if you're talking about communism, socialism, fascism, I attribute those to democracy. That's why I say they end in, in, in the, the highest form of misery. You know, millions upon millions of people die because of this stuff. It, it's absolutely awful. Not to say that monarchy is perfect, because it, we all know it's not. But anyways, with that, with, anyways, with that said, we're, we're getting off topic. It is the rich. It is the demand that is created by the rich and the wealthy that that incentivizes other companies to come in and produce the same technology, pretty much, at a much cheaper cost for more and more people. And at first, you know, maybe the the, the original person who comes out with that nice technology, you know, it's great, it's wonderful, it's very expensive. Usually, these are not poor people who are doing this. Usually these are people who are well off. So you might even be able to say that the rich and the wealthy are the ones that create the technology for more rich and wealthy people, but not all, it's not always that case. But anyways, for these super high luxurious items, okay, new technologies, this stuff starts off really expensive, only affordable to rich and wealthy people and corporations, right? And then another company comes in and says, I'm going to undercut them just a little bit. And then another company comes in and says, I'm going to un- un- undercut them just a little bit with the same technology or maybe very, very similar. Before you know it, more and more and more pe- companies come in, more entrepreneurs come in, constantly producing it at a lower and lower and lower price. And when that happens, eventually it gets so low that demand just continues to increase, driving the prices even lower and opening up the ability for other people to get access to this luxury, these luxury products and services in mass numbers. Like Zoom, look at Zoom, right? right? Live webinar meetings and stuff. That wasn't something that was available for a long, long time. I bet you corporations had that type of service available to them before everybody else did. And now you can create a Zoom account. You can live chat with other people see them with video call and for free up to 40 minutes right and when you have to pay for it it really isn't that expensive you also had skype skype was uh, uh cool too you can also you could use skype to talk with one person at one point now at first it wasn't really all that great the, the quality was not that great but it was still cool to be able to do it 
right? Not to mention the internet for crying out loud. Ladies and gentlemen, the rich and the wealthy, we have much to be thankful for. And if anything, we should celebrate them. Now, I'm not saying celebrate the stupid rich and the wealthy. Again, I'm not saying to celebrate the ones that want to increase, you know, all this type of garbage, you know, higher taxes, higher regulations. I'm not saying we should celebrate though. No, they, them we need to criticize till the end of all time. Because what they want to do is stop the process I just described. If you make it harder for people to come in and create new technologies and new products, guess what? It will either slow the process down or stop it entirely. New technologies won't be created. Entrepreneurs won't be incentivized to come out and create really, really new groundbreaking stuff. It just won't happen. Because they're limiting competition. Because these greedy corporations, these greedy rich people, these authoritarian, power-lusting, obsessed people, they want the power and they only want it for themselves. They want all the wealth and power and they don't want to share any of it. While I am grateful for the, the products and services that they've created... I do, however, not like the fact that they're trying to reduce competition and they're they're ultimately trying to prevent other people, other companies from coming in and doing it cheaper and better than them. Because once you get really big, ladies and gentlemen, I only believe that these corporations get as large as they do because government allows them. Not only does government allow them, the governments enable them to do it. They encourage it because of lobbying and the oligarchy that's in that, that's in our country today, that our country is ruled by today, right? But when companies get this big, when they get massive and they and they get absolutely just super powerful, they are very slow, very sluggish. They are just like a overbloated government. And that's actually I actually truly believe and I'm going to get off a bit of a tangent here, but and a little bit off track, but companies are governments. They are. They have the ability to use force. You want an example of that? Just look at what Apple and Amazon did to Parler. They have the ability to use force, ladies and gentlemen. And 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 if it wasn't government that allowed them to do it, they, it, they would collectively bargain together with other companies to do it to gain enough power to be able to force and limit competition and force people to use their services and basically, you know, render them the only people you can go to. You saw this with the Hippocratic Oath. For the many of you who don't know, in Greece, there were a lot of uh, medical physicians, right? And they all took this Hippocratic Oath that was supposed to explain all these, you laid out all these rules that the that all physicians, they felt, needed to adhere to. Right? And it was always in the name for consumers. It was always in the name to protect the consumers, what I meant to say. But what it really was intended for was to reduce competition, to keep other physicians and doctors out of the market, and to reduce competition for this select group of people. Companies are governments. Now, they're not states. There's a bit of a difference. A state is a government that has the monopolistic use of force in any one geographical location, okay? A government is just an institution that has the ability to use force, that has the power to use force. Now, they may not be a monopoly, but they could get pretty close. 
As long as they have the ability to use force, they are a government, in my most humble opinion. So, ladies and gentlemen, but when these corporations get as big and as powerful as they, as they do and as they are, they become so bloated, so bloated with red tape and bureaucracies and just so much corporate politics, meetings upon meetings upon meetings that do absolutely nothing for moving the needle, nothing at all. They become so fat and bloated, they can't move quickly. This is why they fear competition so much, because competition can move a heck of a lot faster than them. Competitions are smaller corporations, sometimes sole proprietors, like you know, sole ownership companies. They're smaller, they're not full of bureaucracies. You know, they can in effect. These business owners are miniature tiny kings that control their little empires, their little companies. They're, it's the most efficient model. And what happens is it has the benefit of being incredibly agile and mobile. They can innovate quicker. They can move faster. They can make decisions faster than the big corporations can. This is why they fear them so much. If you had a truly free market where big corporations had to continually innovate, they wouldn't be the size that they are today because they would have competition nipping at their heels constantly and they would only be on top as long as they could offer a better product for the cheapest price. That's the truth. A monopoly in a free market would only exist if they could truly offer a better product at a cheaper price. And sure, a monopoly, if there was the, in the absence of government, you know, anarcho-capitalism and all that kind of stuff, they would probably try and limit competition. Absolutely. They would have a harder, they'd probably have a harder time doing it, but they would try. And eventually you would end up in a centralized system one way or the other. It's just human nature. What have I always said on the show? I mean, if you, if you guys are new, I've always said this on the show. Human nature is always one that tends towards the centralize, the centralization of power. That's what human nature always tends to. It's like an economic law, okay? A law of humanity. We always tend towards a centralization of power. And I believe the reason for that is because we all desire a monarch. We all desire someone to make those decisions for us. A lot of us do. Not everyone, right? So I, I, I think that that's why. And the reason we desire that is because it's, it's hardwired into us by God himself. You, you know, the desire is to seek Christ and to seek him and he's supposed to be our king type of thing, right? I think that's why, that's why it is the way that it is, the humanity is. Now, granted, if you are not a Christian, then you're not going to agree with that. But you can't deny that all throughout human history, we've all desired some kind of an authority that could make decisions for us and ultimately could do that kind of stuff and I, you know, make life easier. Humanity constantly desires that. But anyways, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we, could, we should celebrate the rich and the wealthy. We should respect them, honor them, okay? If they're good people, if they're not trying to limit competition, that kind of stuff, we should spec- revere them, not worship them, but celebrate their success, you know, uh, be happy about it because if they're successful, it'll make our lives better. Not only will their life improve, our lives will improve also. That's what we should do. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, do me a couple favors, okay? If you like this podcast, you like what you're hearing here, you're liking this message of the Liberty lifestyle and, 
and libertarianism, free markets, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff we talk about, right? If you like this idea of financial freedom, help me get this message out there. Please not only please make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are, but also please make sure to share the content, okay? If you're coming back here each and every week and if you if if you want to know what's going to happen in the future, you need to come here and listen to the show today, right? So you should be coming back here each and every week. Shame on you if you don't. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, it, I really do appreciate it. when you guys come in here every single week. It, it really, really, it, it's amazing. It makes me feel wonderful. And I, I do very much appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day. It's thank you so much. It's amazing that you guys do that. But if you are right and you should, but if you are, <laughs> make sure to share. Make sure to share the show wherever you are. It's, if you don't want to support the show financially, uh, you know, that's that's fine. Hey, you know, I don't hold any grudges or anything of the sort. But if you want to support the show, and you, but not so much financially, make sure to share the show. We're all, and it doesn't matter where you are, regardless of the platform, make sure to share it. Help me to spread this message of financial freedom, of living the liberty lifestyle, of free markets, libertarianism, Austrian economics, all that good stuff. Help me to share this message. The primary message of the whole show is financial freedom, liberty. That is the primary message of the show. It's, it, it is the manifestation of libertarianism, ladies and gentlemen. It is the manifestation of liberty and freedom. If you are a, a libertarian, a liberty-oriented individual, you should desire to control the source of your income because it is the manifestation of, the ide- of this ideology, right? It, that's, that's, what, that, that's the truth. It's the manifestation of it. It's the liberty lifestyle, as I like to call it. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you love that message... Spread the message. Tell people that, hey, I got this great podcast. You know, it's this little tiny secret. Help it not be a secret anymore of the internet. Help it, you know, let's blow it up. Let's get tons of people in here. They need to hear this message. They need to hear it. If they love liberty, they're going to want to hear it. So don't be selfish. Don't hide it away. All right? Make sure to share it wherever you are. And last but certainly not least, if you guys are loving the show, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It, it really it helps the show get on the map. Okay, not you know sharing directly shares it with with people that are following you and all this kind of stuff. You know you can share it on social media. You could share it with you know friends. If you're sharing it with friends, I always recommend you send it to a person you know is going to love it. A person you know is you're not really sure, and then someone you think is going to hate it. Right? <laughs> odds, you know, you know, share it with three friends. You know, odds are if you if you're liking the show, you know, someone else in your life is going to like it. But you know, if you if you're getting a lot of value out of it, and you've already done the whole sharing thing, then uh, leave a rating review on iTunes. It helps the show get on the rankings, and the more and the higher up on the rankings we get, the more visible the show becomes to everybody else. So naturally, it helps the sh- more people to find the show, you know, just organically and whatnot. So if you guys like it, then go make sure to share it and leave a rating review, and uh, also. If you're loving the show, you want to be, you want to help me create this community of individuals. I think we all, I think we do. I think we need to create a community of of individuals who are very like-minded, a very culturally homogenous group of people. And if you're loving the show, I'm creating my own tribe. I'm creating my own community here, and it's going to be at at the MeWe group. So I will go and I'll get the MeWe group out there. And when I do, I want you guys, if you, if you, if you're interested in it, 
You think you're going to derive a lot of value in it? You want to be part of a community? You know, most of us are part of multiple communities. If you want to add another to your repertoire, then, you know, uh, make sure to subscribe. It's totally free. If, if I have anything that comes down the line that I'm producing that I think you guys will get a lot of value out of, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be pitching it there first. First and foremost, it's going to be pitched there. You know, so you guys want to be on the bleeding edge of Matthew Spaziti and all that I'm doing, then uh, that's going to be a great place. And it's not just going to be only specifically just for the show. All right. If I've got, uh, you know, something I'm doing with regards to trading, if I if I make a trading course, you know, if I do a free trading course or a paid one, I'm going to let you guys know. Right, I'm gonna let you guys know there. You guys are gonna have direct access to me. I can't be in there 24/7, okay? But I, I'm, I will try to be in there as often as I possibly can. And look, it's a great place. If nothing else, it's a great place for you guys to collaborate with a bunch of amazing liberty-loving individuals. So be on the lookout for that. I will let you know when the group is finalized and ready. And, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I love you each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, yeah, if you'll do all that for me, like always, know the risks, plan accordingly. Have a great day. 